Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. All right, so I want you to get ready to turn in your Bible, John chapter 12, if you brought your Bible or electronic devices, John chapter 12. And while we're getting there, John chapter 12 and starting in verse 12, uh, how many know hindsight is 20-20? We can look back and look at things and say, Man, if I had only known this, if I had only known that, I would have done things differently. Anybody like me wish they could have done something different? That's called a Monday morning quarterback, right? We all hear that. Monday morning quarterbacks, they know all the answers. They know all the, all the right answers. They would have said, oh, yeah, if I would have known this, I never would have done that. And that's every one of us. I don't care who you are. That's me. That's my whole life from the age of... Well, I won't even go there. That's a whole other testimony. But God, the life of Jesus, was no different. And what I mean by that is he was, uh, he was welcomed as a king, as the king of kings on this day that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. Yet a week later, less than a week later, he was crucified. And, and when, I, when I refer to hindsight in 2020, I'm referring to the people that accepted him as a king. How did they go from zero to 60 like that in less than a week? How did they go from welcoming him as a king, and then a week later, they're nailing him to a cross? How does that happen? You know, here, many of us would say, oh, Pastor Rick, I would never do this. I would never do that. There's one thing I've learned in my life. Be careful when you say that. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about? Be careful when you say that because we can stand up here and say, oh, I would never curse the name of God. I would never, you know, you fill in the blank, whatever offensive thing you can think of, I would never do that. But how many have seen people say those things and then do those things? You know, that there go I, but by the grace of God, really. And, and so you must be careful when you say something like that, that I would never do this or do that. Amen? Yeah. That was just for free. I don't know why I said that. But here we want to go to John chapter 12, verses 12 through 13. Why don't you stand with me this morning, and we're going to read from John chapter 12, the same sermon uh, verse that we had up on the screen. But it starts in John chapter 12, and verse 12, and I'm reading out of the NIV, and it says the following. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Go ahead and wave your palm branches! Hosanna! Yes, yes, they're waving palm branches. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Again, we thank you for your word, which endures forever. I love your word. It's filled with truths, Lord. Sometimes I don't understand in that moment what it means. But Lord, your word is always revealing, always revealing to us. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that you would give us a a deeper understanding of what this day means and what it meant back then and how it how it applies to us today, 2000 years later. So I pray that this morning, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, anoint this word, Lord, that I would speak it, that I would not hold back on anything that needs to be declared this morning, that your truth would be shared this morning. And we thank you, Lord, 
for your precious word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Wave those palms one more time and you can be seated. Amen. Hosanna, Hosanna. By the way, the word Hosanna means to save, to be saved, is why they were shouting that. But we're going we're gonna to get into that right now. So how do we look at this in 2018? We see clearly what happened 2,000 years ago. And I know when I went to Israel, and, and Wayne may have experienced this when he went as well, but we walked down the road that Jesus took as he entered into Jerusalem. And that's an amazing fact to know that Jesus took this road and they laid these palms down on the ground as they waved them. They were laying them down as he walked in on, on, a, on, a, on a donkey, the Bible says. He walked in on a donkey. He didn't walk in on a white stallion or a black stallion, a big beautiful horse. He, he walked in on a donkey. How many know that God does things that we don't expect sometimes? You know, sometimes we think, well, it should have been a beautiful white stallion. It should have been a, a Clydesdale horse, you know, the biggest horses out there. But no, he picked the most humble, lowly animal he could ride in on a donkey. The Bible uses donkeys quite a few times. How many know that? They actually spoke to man at one point. But here, I want to look at in the message here this morning, how do they go from welcoming, welcoming Jesus with, with palms and shouting Hosanna and a week later nailing him to the cross. Again, what I said earlier, people at that time never would have thought that on that day that they would nail him to the cross. Have you said something? Have you said to yourself or to somebody else, I would never do that? Be careful. Be careful. Amen. And, and let me give you the background here. This is during the same period of time Jesus had uh, raised up Lazarus from the dead. How many remember that? He was in the grave for four days, the Bible says. The King James says, his body stinketh. <laughs> Nudge your spouse next to you. <laughs> Tell him that again. His body stinketh, right? And, and the Bible says that Jesus called him out by name. You know what would have happened if he had just called into the grave, rise and come out. They all would have come out. Everybody who was in that tomb would have come out. That's why he specifically said, Lazarus, come out, arise. And so Lazarus came out. So here Jesus is at the top of his ministry, you could say. He's, he's done miracle after miracle. Now he's raised the dead. He's raised the dead. And many came to believe him in him because of that. So people are now being convinced of this man named Jesus. They're starting to see things, right? They're starting to think things. Okay, this, this, is, this dude is something special. You know, he's not like anybody else. And so they began to have these expectations of him. But what they weren't realizing is in the Old Testament, they didn't truly comprehend all the Old Testament scriptures, how the Messiah would come on a, colt, on a, on a donkey, how he would uh, come triumphantly into Jerusalem. They hadn't really analyzed all those scriptures because then they would have known that he would have been dead after a period of time. Because the Bible talks about that, how the Messiah would be, would be uh, put to death. And, and uh, they didn't understand any of that. They were choosing to ignore that. Be careful when you're expecting something and, and ignore God's word and expect things to come out differently. Be careful with that. Amen. So here the lessons are that I believe we should learn from this 
is number one, Jesus, Jesus walks into Jerusalem. And again, the word Hosanna, as they're cheering him on, means to save now. Here he comes, riding in, having performed these miracles. Hosanna, every time you hear me say that word, Hosanna, I want you to wave those palm branches. It's a beautiful sight up here to see these palm branches. And it's good workout, good aerobics, amen. He was their new king. He was their coming king. See, the, the problem with that is they thought, the people of that time, thought that he was coming to set up his kingdom on the earth as previous kings had established their kingdom. Now, Jesus, we know, didn't come to establish his kingdom at that time on this earth physically. He, wasn't, he didn't come for that reason at all, amen? He, they thought that he was coming to restore the kingdom of David and free them from the, uh, the tyranny of the Romans at that time. The Romans controlled the world at that time. And they were thinking, well, man, this, this new king is going to set us free from that. He's going to give us a, a new kingdom, a new a lifestyle. Everybody was excited to see him. Everybody was looking forward to what's going to happen next. What's, what, what, what's next? And so they shouted again, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let me give you a little history lesson real quick. Judah the Maccabee, during the period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, he led what was known as a major revolt in Israel. It's called the Hasmonean Revolt. That's what it was known as. Look it up. It's history. After Judah and the other Hasmoneans led the people in, to victory in a major battle, the people had a celebration. They cut off palm branches and began to wave them in the air, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Amen? So this was ingrained in the people of that time. And so when Jesus entered the city, they're thinking the same thing. Here comes our new king. And they began to cut palm branches and they began to wave them in the air, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Okay, switch to your other arm. You want to work out the other arm too. So Jesus is receiving this praise. How many know it's, this is also worship? Now, for those that have struggled with, well, is Jesus God? Jesus received worship. How many know that? Jesus received worship from the multitudes here. And, and he didn't say, oh, no, don't do that. He didn't say, time out. That's, that's wrong. He received it. He was the king, and, and he was the prince of peace and so forth. So number one, the people received him, as it say, says on your outline. The people received him. The people thought Jesus was going to be, again, their earthly king. But Jesus didn't come to be their earthly king. He had a much greater plan in mind. Sometimes we think in this little box. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to expand my prayers. I need to expand my thinking. I think far too often in this little box. And Jesus is not confined to any box. How many know that? Jesus thinks outside the box. Jesus sees beyond what you and I can see. And so that's why your prayer should be, Lord, give me eyes that I can see what you see. Amen? Give me eyes to see through faith, to believe things that I can't believe for. Amen? Jesus entered Jerusalem in humility. One of the things that the Bible says often is that is that people that bring praise to themselves, it stinks before heaven. It stinks before Almighty God. Jesus was the example of our attitude towards God. Humility, humbleness. 
Amen? Are you exhibiting humility and humbleness in your life? That's really what Jesus is even teaching us in this story here. Jesus received the praise and adoration of the people now. You and I don't deserve to receive praise. In fact, the Bible, and I often say this here, our goodness, the Bible says in the Old Testament, is like filthy rags before our God. Our goodness. Think of the goodest, for, to use a homeschooling term, Think of the goodest you've ever been, right? Think of the goodest you've ever been. The Bible says that stinks before high heaven. You know why? Because none of us are good enough. None of us. Pastor Rick isn't good enough. I need Jesus in my life to make me good. He's what makes me good. And he makes you good. Amen? Without him, you are no good. That's not me. That's his word. That's his word. Amen? Amen. I don't need that page. All right. So they received him. Let me ask you today, have you totally received him? Or are you just saying, Lord, uh, I'll take a part of you. I'll take 50% of you, but I don't know that I want all of you. Uh, Lord, I'll take 75% of you, but I don't know that I could take all of you. Are you sold out to him? Are you just saying, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Use me for your glory. Amen? Amen. And then here, our second point this morning is they were taught by him. You know, it's great to have a head knowledge of a lot of things in life. It's great to uh, understand the theories that uh, Stephen Hawking taught, who just passed away a week or so ago, uh, probably the, known as the greatest mind in our, uh, in our lifetime. I, I also, just this is for free, I found it very ironic that he and Billy Graham passed away within a week of each other. And people honored this man, Stephen Hawking, if you read the news and everything. And Billy Graham, only in the Christian circles, really was, was honored. And, and here, Billy Graham did so much more that will go and last into eternity. How many know that? While Stephen Hawking, not to take anything away from him, was a brilliant mind, we have to be careful what we learn. This is, this is the greatest tool you can learn right here. You can read books. I have a library of books. I have many books, probably thousands of books. But this is the one book that I always have to come back to. It's great to read books, but this is the one book you have to come back to. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so they were taught by him. Jesus will always teach you real truth as opposed to what you may be thinking. What you may think is truth. Remember what, uh, I believe it was Pilate that asked Jesus, what is truth? What is truth? See, people are always searching for truth. Yet, it's, it's right here. It's right here. It's very simple. Truth is right here. Do you want truth for your marriage today? Do you want truth for how to go through what you're going through? Did you catch that? You're going through it. You're not stuck in it. Do you want truth to how to handle that? It's right here. And, and too many of us forsake this and would rather read a book by a psychoanalyst that wrote a book about how to raise your kids, and then that child ended up, you know, harming themselves. You know, I'm talking about Dr. Spock, in case you didn't know who I was talking about there. But here's the truth right here. This is the truth. Don't run away from it. Run to it. Amen? The scripture here says... In Luke chapter 19, verses 45 and 47, it says the following. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. 
But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. Right there, God just stepped into the picture and turned their world upside down. They, they didn't think they were doing anything wrong. They were in the temple. These people were in the temple. They didn't think they were doing anything wrong. But sometimes God will flip your world upside down just to show you what real truth is. Here, sometimes we need to straighten out our own house. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to straighten out his own house. He said, what in the world are these people doing? Remember the story of Moses when he came down from the mountain after having fasted and prayed for 40 days? The Bible says he came down and the people were performing idol worship. They had built idols and were worshiping a golden calf. He had to clean house. He really did. And, and this message today isn't about cleaning house, but have you checked your house? Have you checked your spirit? Are there things that you need to clean in, in your spirit and in your house? Are there things that you shouldn't have in your house that are, that are a detriment to your spiritual life, that are a detriment to your children around you? Amen? That's what you need to begin to ask yourself. Prayer and teaching also start in the house of God. Prayer and teaching start here. It doesn't start with the Sunday school teacher or our children's church teacher, in this case, my wife, Anna, today, teaching your kids, that's your responsibility. How many know that? They will get taught here. They will receive a lesson here. But it's your responsibility as a parent to teach your children. Amen? Amen. Prayer and teaching should begin in our house. You know, one of the beautiful things that I get to experience in a family setting is we get to have wonderful conversations Wonderful conversations. You know, I always tell you that my wife and I pray every day before we go out the house. We pray every day. We, we, we hold hands and we pray a blessing over each other. We've done that faithfully since the day we got married. And then we get to have conversations with our daughters at home. Hey, Dad, why is this in the Bible? What does this mean? And, and you know, of course, the pastor, you can't, you ask the pastor a question and you can't shut him up. And I'll go on and I'll, that'll become a sermon while we're driving somewhere. And, you know, it's always fun, right? But we have these conversations that go back to the Word of God. I always go back to the Word of God. I, I make sure to tell my children, it's not what Pastor Rick thinks. Let's, let's see what the Word of God says and then go from there. You do that at home? You do that at home? I want to encourage you to do that. Amen? Anything you need today to clean your house up, I want you to think about that. And then three, these people were given signs of the future. And I can't help but think of our brother Ed, who would always often, when he would speak, would talk about the signs of the time, signs of the future. In fact, that was his last message here, if you recall, the signs of the times. God always gives us signs. Amen? The scripture in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and through 27 says the following. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Aren't you thankful that God always gives us signs? That He doesn't just leave you unattended? That He doesn't tell you, hey, be careful, there's an S-curve coming up, slow down. 
You know, God is good. He's like that. He gives you signs all around you. Amen? The Lord gives you a sign right where you live. You don't necessarily have to be in church today to hear that sign, to read that sign. God will speak to you as you leave here today. Hey, um, you know, today I want you to drive towards Walmart. You know, I want, I want you to speak to that, that homeless person that's hanging out at Walmart. And he, and he gives you a sign. And, you know, how many have ever felt that? You know, you, you're driving somewhere and then all of a sudden God tells you to go somewhere else. And it's, there's a divine reason for that. God, God knows what he's doing. Amen? God knows what he's doing. He gives us signs right where we live. And then the other great news is that the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. A great promise from the book of Hebrews. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. I can take comfort when, when I go through a battle, when I felt all alone, when I was younger. Um, I, could, I could trust God that he was with me. He was with me. He wouldn't leave me nor forsake me. When I'm going through a tough time at work, or maybe, um, I, I, and I can't say anything about marriage, because I have a great marriage, because we work on things, right? But maybe it's you today. Maybe you're going through a tough battle with your marriage and your relationship. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the greatest friend you can have. Amen? How many know that? He's right there for you. He's right there to walk with you, teach you truth, help you to go through whatever it is that you're going through. Thank God that the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points, just like you and I. He knows what that feels like to be lonely. Here, let me remind you, he was welcomed as a king. Hosanna, Hosanna. He's welcomed as a king by thousands of people on this Palm Sunday. Yet a week later, he felt deserted. How many people were at the cross to actually see him? Just a handful of people. He had hundreds possibly thousands of believers at that time. Yet at the cross, they all deserted him. Have you ever felt that way? Have, have you ever felt that your friends, people around you have deserted you and nobody's around you? Jesus will never desert you. Let me remind you of that this morning. Why is that? Because he loves you. He loves you. Amen. He loves you. Amen. Jesus is good. Amen. And all the time. Amen. He will never forsake us. On our fourth point, as they plotted to kill him, how quickly again, they went from shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now they're plotting to kill him. How did they get there to that point? See, Jesus had gained and won the hearts of the people over. They had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. But here's what the Jews saw. See, the Jews saw that they were losing control, they were losing authority of their nation. And they plotted to kill him. See, Jesus came and he was identifying himself as the Messiah. People were recognizing him as a Messiah, as a coming king. In fact, even Pontius Pilate said, they say you're a king. Are you a king? And of course, remember, Jesus was silent at that time. He basically said, well, you say I am. And so they were identifying him as, as a king, and the Jewish people of that time, they became fearful of that. They didn't want a king. They, they were controlled by the Romans already, but they had their hierarchy. They didn't want anybody messing with that hierarchy. How many know that? How many know that? That's Bible right there. So here they were plotting to kill him. They were plotting to kill him, to keep him away from all these people that had yet to hear about the good news Matthew chapter 27 and verse 20 
says, But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. That one right there is just, if you know about Barabbas, a murderer, the people chose a murderer over Jesus. That's how low they had sunk. That's how, how base their, their faith had become now. It, it was so low that they chose the deepest sin, a murderer over Jesus. And again, if we're not careful, if, if we because we can say, I would never backslide, Pastor Rick. I would never walk out on my relationship with the Lord. You'll find yourself, the Bible says, doing seven times worse than you were prior. Amen? And, and we'll choose that over living for God. God, help us. Help us not to be, uh, go down that path. Yes. Matthew 27, verses 22 through 23 say the following. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified. That's a spirit right there that took over those people. They allowed a spirit from the enemy. And again, how many know the devil's a liar? The yeah. devil is a liar and he'll convince you to believe a lie. Amen. He'll convince you and even even deceive, if it were possible, the, the people of God. And that's what he was doing here. Here, Jesus is experiencing one of his greatest moments of rejection right here. Here he was beaten. If you've all seen The Passion of Christ, how many have seen the movie The Passion of Christ? Raise your hand. If you have not seen that movie, you, it's got to be a, a must this week. You have to see The Passion of Christ. It, it, it's really really accurate biblically and I and I would encourage you to see that movie but let, let's be careful here getting back to this this scripture here let's be careful and walk with the full armor of God knowing that the enemy walks about roars about seeking whom he may devour he's constantly the enemy is constantly trying to trip you up have you figured that out yet he's trying to trip you up he's trying to discourage you God is trying to encourage you. He's trying to ruin your life. God is trying to build your life. He's trying to tell you that this is full of, of hoaxes and fables and contradictions. And God is telling you, this is truth. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That the word of God is inspired. Amen? And, and, and yet people will tell you, oh, well, this is just written by man. Well, God used man. Just like he uses us today. We are his hands and his feet. Amen? He uses every one of us. So let us be careful and walk with the full armor of God daily because the enemy of our soul plots to kill us spiritually as well. And as I, as I get ready to close here this morning, what was it about Jesus that caused these people to reject him? What was it about him? How could we as believers, because I've seen this, we, you've seen it. You've seen believers walk out, never ever to come back to, to a church service again, never ever to crack open a Bible. And you see this far too often. How can they taste of the glory divine and then walk away from that? I'll tell you how. I did it when I was first a believer. I did it. And I've shared that story with you, how I came back. And it took... I felt like the prodigal son that I, I finally came back to my senses. And when I did, I said, I turned my back on what 
I was doing at that time. I said, Lord, never again. I promise to live for you for all my life. And I did. And this was before I met Anna. And then, and then it's just crazy how those things happen. You put your life back on track. And then God begins to bless your life when you begin to walk in obedience. How many know that? Amen. But if I had continued to walk in disobedience, I don't know where I'd be today. None of you. You could be saying the same thing today. I don't know where I'd be. But by the grace of God, you're here today. Amen. The truth is that Jesus spoke and challenged their security and their very foundation of their spirituality. That's why they were rejecting him. How many here possibly may be here today who have rejected Jesus or maybe of receiving him completely simply because you didn't want him to get close to you? You know, there, there's people, and you and I know these people, there's a wall there, there's a barrier. You come up to them and there's that barrier. They'll allow you to get this close, but they are uncomfortable with getting close because they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to receive that. Maybe they didn't receive that as a child. But I want to remind you this morning that God loves you so much, He wants to just take you and embrace you and remind you that He loves you. Amen? What is happening in today's world that would have the potential to drive you away from Christ today? Well, I'll tell you what. Our world is so split right now. I, I don't, this isn't about politics. I don't get into politics. But how many know we're a divided nation politically? We're a divided nation when it comes to um, violence. There's the pro-gun. There's the uh, anti-gun. There's, there's the, always been the anti-abortion. There's pro-life. I mean, we're so divided. We have never been more divided as a nation than today. That's all because of the enemy. The enemy wants to drive a wedge in there and cause you to just give up and say, Lord, where are you? Where are you? My marriage has failed. I lost my house. My kids don't love me. They don't visit me. Uh, my dog ran away from me. Won't even come to me. That's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to drive a wedge into your life. Don't allow that to happen. Amen? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hold on to that promise. Hold on to that promise. Amen? There's voices that speak every day in, regarding the political system, regarding the media. All you got to do is turn on the news every day. You'll hear one version of that. And you got to flip a channel to hear the other version. And you go to a third channel and you hear a third version. And it's all meant to divide, divide you and I. That's what was happening back then, and that continues to happen in our generation. But how many know that God wants us to stay united? You know how you stay united? You pray. You, you, you fellowship together. When those doors are open, you're here. You read His Word. You give of your time, your talents, and your treasures, the Bible says. And He blesses your life. He blesses you wherever you go. Amen? And then Luke... 23, verse 23. Uh, I got two more scriptures. The Bible says in Luke 23 and verse 23. But the people were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. 
And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. Here's what I want to ask you this morning. Are you going to let the sound of the world drown out your voice? Are you going to let the sound of the world, their opinions, their thoughts, their belief system drown out what you believe? Are you, are you going to stand up and say, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe he's coming back for a people. I believe he's coming back for me. Amen. Amen. Are you going to stand up? Or are you going to let the ways of this world shout you down? No. God forbid. Amen. 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 Let us not allow the many screaming voices that are out in this world today to drown your message out, to drown out your faith. That's what the enemy is trying to do. He's trying to extinguish your faith with his, the Bible says, his fiery darts, his darts that are aimed at you. He's trying to discourage you, trying to back you off of walking and fulfilling the promise God has given you. Maybe God is giving you direction right now. Maybe you're at a point in your life, you're beginning to do things that you never thought you'd be doing. And God is opening that door and the enemy's whispering, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You can't do that. You can't do this. God will open any door that man can open. Amen? God, If God could use Moses, a stutterer, to lead three million people out of Egypt, he could certainly use you and I. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I want to close with this final scripture found in Romans chapter 8 and verses 38 and 39. And this goes along with what I just said. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor the powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is there anything that can separate you today from that love? Nothing. The Bible says nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God loves you that much. He sent His Son to die on the cross for you, to give you everlasting life. Not for you to walk away from it, but for you to live in it, to be blessed because you're in a, walking in obedience. If you walk over there, He's going to bless you. If you walk over here, He's going to bless you because you're walking in obedience. Amen. God wants you to know that there is nothing that will separate you from His love. See, you may choose to walk away from Him, but His love will track you down like a bloodhound. Yes. It'll track you down. Uh, I know that. Uh, backsliders don't need to be re reminded, hey, you need to be in church. You know, you haven't been praying. They wake up every day thinking that very thought. They wake up every day knowing that. They don't ever need to be reminded, I know that. But we need to be obedient, amen? We need to be obedient to the Word of God, knowing that Christ loves us so much that nothing can separate us from His great love. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? If you're thankful this morning, why don't you stand up this morning with me? Give my hand this morning. God, we love you this morning. We thank you. Father, we worship you. We praise you, Lord. We praise you for your goodness, for your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your loving kindness. You are so good. Lord, as we close this morning, I, I pray, God, that you would remind every single one of us. There, there possibly may be somebody in here this morning struggling with that fact that they feel that unloved, and Lord, I pray right now for that person or persons this morning. Remind them that you love them. Wrap your loving arms around them this morning and remind them that you have a plan and a purpose.
plans not to harm them, plans to prosper them, to give them hope and a future. Father, we thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us nor forsake us. That, Lord, we can almost walk in disobedience from you, yet your love tracks us down. It tracks us down. It seeks us out. So, Father, we love you this morning, and I pray, heal that person this morning. Heal that person this morning. Bring healing to them, Father, spiritually. Remind them of your great love for them and of the great mighty plan you have for them. Father, we love you this morning, and we praise you, Father, for your goodness and your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord.